This program contains explicit content and subject matter which may be unsuitable for some listeners. Discretion is advised. You've got questions. We've got all the answers when it comes to sex and more. This is the A to Z of sex with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. Every week, we pick a series of topics that you've been wanting to know about. It's an encyclopedia of sex, intimacy, relationships, and so much more than that. Let's get things started. Now, here's your host, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I'm a sex and intimacy coach and a psychologist, and I have spent the last 30 plus years helping people to create hot and healthy sexual and intimate relationships. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time, and this week we are in Alexandria, Virginia, and we are heading for Master Slave Conference 2019 this afternoon. Today the letter is D, and D is for dancing and bikinis. Now, dancing has long been considered a central art, at the least, and extremely erotic at the most. Dancing can often be seen as foreplay and used as foreplay. And in fact, a wide variety of dance forms were specifically developed in order to inflame the senses and raise sexual energy. A dakini is a female embodiment of enlightenment. So joining me to talk more about dancing and dakinis and all subjects related is Lee Noto. Lee Noto is a burnout to bliss transformation coach. She works with ambitious, high-powered women at the top of their game so that they can go from burnout to bliss and regain their sense of self without compromising their success. At the height of her success, fueled by the hustle, she found herself in a state of complete and utter burnout, confronted by cystic breakouts, full-body hives, and facial paralysis. This wake-up call led her to mastermind her own journey to bliss using a set of practices that are now the cornerstone of her signature transformational system called the Bliss Method. She now coaches clients one-to-one and leads workshop and talks around the world. Lee incorporates aspects of Eastern and Western modalities such as neuroscience, psychology, tantric philosophy, various meditative practices, Reiki, and more. She studied with numerous teachers on subjects including conscious and sacred sexuality, meditation, breathwork, and transformational change work. Her unique approach allows her to create a safe space for clients to step into their power and create a bliss-filled life. Welcome to the show, Lee. Thank you, Dr. Lori Beth. It's an honor to be here. I am really excited to be chatting with you today. So um, let's start with let's start with bikinis because dancing is easier to talk about and more people know about it. But the thing that they won't know about is bikinis. Sure. Yes. So bikinis are rather mystical beings and. The word is used in modern translation today, but going back to some of the ancient uses of the word, the word dakini translates as sky dweller or sky dancer, which Mm -hmm. is quite fitting for the fact that we're also talking about dancing today. And they were considered the most sacred aspect of the feminine um, in Tibetan Buddhism and across um, other bodies of spirituality. And so they embody both humanity and divinity. So there is this almost shape-shifting quality to, to Dakinis. And, you know, when I think about Dakinis in modern-day form, many, many women embody that sort of Dakini spirit because many of us are so malleable in different environments. So I love thinking about the term Dakini in a modern context as well as in sort of the ancient and spiritual context. So for me, part of the spiritual context um, also had Dakinis being like a muse, Uh, And so the the inspiration was to draw you out and bring you to that higher state of consciousness and that that and your ability. I mean, when you say sky dancer, that ability to dance lightly around things and to um, um, move energy and to catalyze change. Yes. Yes. And while they while the word is sometimes used in the modern day in a sexual context, and they are often depicted as naked and as beautiful. They really weren't intended as sexual symbols necessarily. Um, however, they would sometimes be used as a test or as a muse to um, test uh, a practitioner's control over their sexual desires. So that was sort of the sexual context that they may have come into, even though they weren't you know, solely uh, meant to be depicted as sexual beings or sexual mm-hmm. deities. So I like the idea um, of the catalyst um, and and of helping somebody 
embody their their fullest, highest self. Mm. Um, and I spend a lot of time talking with people about finding their passion. And, and this is in and out of relationship. You know, this is in terms of your entire life, that if you're living your life from a place of authenticity, integrity, and passion, mm-hmm. then you're living your best life. Yes. Um, and then when you're in that place um, and you're centered in that place, you find that obstacles move away more quickly. Um, that you, you know, you move into an obstacle, it's a lesson, you move through it. Whereas when you're out of alignment with that, um, life just becomes much harder on a day-to-day basis. Everything seems to be hard. Everything seems to be difficult. Right. Right. Yes. And I think there's just such an element, even as we talk about dance from both a literal and a metaphorical perspective in, in today's show, um, there is that sort of dance or flow when we are in alignment and mm-hmm. things cease to be difficult. There can still be challenges, but there is um, a ceasefire in the difficultness of things when we are in that aligned flow state. Well, then I think the challenges are different. You know, I mean, it, it, it's, it's um, and, w- and we often talk about being in flow is, is, an, is, is definitely another way of talking about it. And it's a very popular concept at the moment. I was at um, TED in, in um, Vancouver this year, and there was an exhibit about flow. And um, it was, you were invited to pick the words out of a large group of words that represented flow to you. Mm. And then um, to put them in this really cool little bag and then enter this space where you got, uh, the words got taken and put with music and made into sort of a 3D presentation around you and you were standing in the space um, and it was sort of meditative, and then you walked out, and and uh, virtually everybody I spoke to who did it, and myself included, found it really energizing. Mm. Actually, identify those things that keep us in flow, that keep us in that place. Right. Um, and and sometimes this gets played down, and people people because people dismiss it as woo, uh, right. or all too spiritual. And um, I can talk from a spiritual perspective and use all the spiritual words, but I can also talk um, from a more perceived as grounded perspective. I don't necessarily think it's necessarily more grounded. And 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 talk about it just in terms of if, of when you're fighting against yourself. Right. Then obviously a bunch of your energy is going to fight against yourself and against your purposes. And then often that means that you're fighting against others as well. You're dealing with difficulties in a way that's all combative. Whereas that when you when you are actually in flow, when when challenges come up, there's just less um, angst and there's less uh, pressure and, right. and less combativeness. And so things move through a bit more easily. It's like the difference between trying to uh, deal with a knot by pulling it really hard, which usually makes the knot tighter, than by gently wiggling it from different directions, which can help it disappear. Right. Yeah. You know, one other way that I, I recently, you know, was asked uh, some questions about that were, I guess, maybe sort of the perceived as grounded term for flow was our zone of genius. So what is that zone where we access our innate and natural abilities and where we actually like to be? Um, And in that state, we access that sort of abstract sense of flow. Right. And that makes sense. And so when you're looking at this in terms of relationships and and in terms of sexual relationships, you know, frequently when people are out there looking for partners... Um, or trying to um, deal with a difficult relationship and to make things work, they don't actually take the time to sit down and find center and actually connect with their muse, with their flow. Mm. And so it's haphazard in some ways, but but also very much trying to push through, I want this, I'm going to push it through, which doesn't work. Right. So, you know, I've seen that in myself, so I can definitely speak from firsthand experience. And what I've also seen and what I've also experienced uh, is trying to find the qualities that I want in someone outside of myself without first harnessing and cultivating those qualities within. And so trying to find these sorts of qualities that I would want in an ideal partner without being that ideal partner to myself first. And so it's always some sort of externalization of what I'm looking for versus really fulfilling that within myself and then allowing that ideal partner 
to naturally sort of float into my field. So uh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Which is what would happen anyway. Right. So um, we are just a few minutes to break. And I definitely want to stay more on this topic because I think there's a lot about the kind of advice that particularly women are given mm-hmm. about how to find the, the person or people that they want and the relationship that they want that actually some of the advice is just, as far as I'm concerned, ass backward. Um, and some of the advice, like what you're talking about, is given, but it's given in such a way that people find it really difficult to figure out how to do that. So it's sort of like somebody will say, well, let go and then. And it's like, well, how the fuck do you let go? Yeah. Right? I don't know what that means. What are you fucking talking about? Right? And right. so it's, it's like, well, these are actually the steps to let, letting go. And this is actually what you need to do. Um, and getting people familiar with the work that you, you really do need to do if you want to be able to maintain that place right. um, of, of integrity with yourself, which is really what it is. Yes. So yes. when we get back, we're going to c- talk a bunch more about this. And before we go off to break, I just want to talk about my favorite wand vibrator. Again, I know you guys are probably sick of hearing it, but it's just my favorite. The O-Wand is the elegant, cordless, completely waterproof, and super powerful wand vibrator, and I love it. It's got four speeds, seven programs, and a completely ergonomic handle, which is great if you find holding a wand, which is often quite heavy, is problematic. If you've got any kind of arthritic problems or any sore joints, it's wonderful. It's an incredible vibrator, and in my opinion, it beats the magic wand by a mile. If you want a 10% discount, head over to www.mrandmrstoy.com and put in the code DRLORI10. And we will be back in a couple of minutes after some words from our sponsors. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. What is your level of sexual expertise? Want to find something new? Listen for Sisters of Sexuality every week on the Voice America Health & Wellness channel. There's no judgment here. And every topic is safe and sex positive, so we'll explore them together. It's time to push your sexual boundaries and try some new experiences with your hosts, Taylor Sparks and Parish Michelle Blair. You won't want to miss a single show every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your sex energy is your life energy. That's a central focus of The Conscious Living Show with Dr. Nancy Sutton Pierce and her husband, Dr. Mark Pierce. The health of your sexual life is a parameter for your physical, mental, and intimate relationship health. If something is out of whack, by listening, you may be able to identify the problem and fix it. And it's not always about the sex. Tune in to The Conscious Living Show, broadcasting live every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. This is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at DrLoriBethBisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey everybody, welcome back to the A to Z of sex. Today the letter is D and D is for dancing and bikinis and I am talking with the incredible Lee Noto. So we were before the break talking about um, the fact that most of the advice that's given to particularly women but also men about how to find our partners and how to get the relationships that we want um, it tends to be a lot of push and a lot of, well, sometimes it's a lot of push. 
sometimes it's a lot of um, even manipulation is very popular. Like if you want to get your man, you should do blah, blah, blah and not do blah, blah, blah. And that people tend to gravitate towards this stuff because they don't like the more real advice, which is you need to look at your own stuff first. You need to figure out um, what you desire and you need to figure out if you have the qualities that will allow you to accept that if it comes along. And then until you actually do your own personal work, you're likely to have um, less of a field and make worse choices because mostly we will see what we have always seen. So it's not that these people are not in our field of vision. They often are. They're often right there. It's just we don't note them as attractive or as desirable because our um, connections and our um, desires are still attached to old patterns. And so what we see is I always say it's like somebody smells right. They're familiar to me, so they smell right, but that may be out of a past pattern. That may have nothing to do with what actually I want or what I believe I want because sometimes you haven't done the work, so you're just believing you want it. It's what you think you should want. So what do you think about that in terms of actually how we get that advice and, and, and what we sh- would be better for us to do? Yeah, so I've, I've given this a lot of thought and I've had many of my own trials and tribulations in attracting quality and not so quality partners. And, you know, something that is bothersome about the way sort of the self-help industry works is that it's very much based on fear and our lack. So there's very much a lack-based mentality and, um, you know, there's very much a focus on what we need to quote-unquote fix or change about ourselves. And with that, you know, it's no wonder why we would want to pick up books and magazines and read articles that are all about ways to adjust ourselves to meet the standards of the perfect partner. And I think the plot twist in all this is that there's nothing to fix. We are perfect and whole and complete as we are. And the more ways that we can relate to ourselves in that manner, the more that we will you know, be able to find our authentic way of being and the easier and quicker, most likely, we will attract partners that are actually in resonance with us. What's interesting to me about that is that I'm not, I don't 100% agree in the sense that we're looking to fix and there's a lot of stuff fixing, but it's fixing the wrong things. Mm. Right. So for me, when people come to me, because I'm both a therapist and a coach, I get this kind of interesting intersection of folks a lot of the time. And my and my as a therapist, my my first specialty was trauma and PTSD. And so I've written co-authored a book on treating it. I've done um, um, a number of a couple of large research projects on treatment for it. So what I find is a lot of people come thinking the things they need to fix are you need to lose 20 pounds or you need to, right, you know, they're, they're external things or they're things that go for the ideal. So there's a picture of the ideal. Like um, some of these things where a woman shouldn't ask for this or want for that or, you know, all that sort of stuff that goes to some sort of societal ideal of what it is that, that you do in order to have a partner. And, and I agree with you there that those things, you know, that's ridiculous, right? You don't need to be changing who you are. Right. What people don't want to do, because this is the hard work, mm-hmm. is actually resolve their own trauma history, resolve right, right. their losses, resolve and look at the areas where they don't do themselves any favors because they're not able to accept themselves. Like, so I see people who have a huge amount of shame mm-hmm. often around sex and sexuality and intimacy and then they're in relationships with people and what, what they're saying is, my sex life is, is awful. I'm, right. not, I'm not getting what I want. Um, I'm not getting what I need. But when you talk with them, there's so much shame around the subject that they can't even communicate to themselves about it, let alone communicate to a partner. So how are you going to get what you want if you can't talk? Right. So there's that. So, that it, it, it's, so there are things to fix, but those are usually things to, to fix about what we've experienced Yes. Skills that we're missing, not about us as human beings, as people. Right. And I I love the distinction that you make there because I think there are fundamental beliefs that would do us big favors if they were adjusted. These fundamental belief systems that were given to us that were passed along by traumatized societal systems, familial systems, 
you know, things like that. So yes, belief systems that are no longer supporting our highest evolution, those are the things that would do us a huge favor if they were adjusted. And, you know, the sort of the prevailing narratives that we carry, especially like you mentioned about shame. I mean, have we not all been there? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's anybody... I, I rarely meet a, a, somebody who's always been a shame-free person around sex, right? Right. I, I think maybe now if some of us are parenting in a different way, and I certainly am, and um, my son has been raised in a different way, um, perhaps he will be almost shame-free. I don't know if he'll be shame-free, but perhaps he will be almost shame-free. Right. But, I, but I know that still, we, I mean, even in even the basic sex education we get in schools and things, we still, everything is still shame-based and fear-based. And therefore, it's really difficult to approach the area when what, you've, what you're carrying with you is all that shame about pleasure because we don't talk about why pleasure is there and the importance of pleasure. Right. The other part of that, though, is that there is there is this this thing that we do, which is if if I develop a way of coping with something that works, I will keep using it because it works, and I may not notice when it stops working. And so, a lot of the times, people come in with with methods of coping that are damaging the hell out of them and their relationships, and then sometimes the therapist will be like, "Well, oh, that's so damaging," to, you know, but. What I like to do first is acknowledge the fact that at some point this method worked. Otherwise, you wouldn't have used it. So mm-hmm. I get it. It was really successful. So now it's not successful. So we need to find a new skill. Instead of the kind of heaped blame on people, which makes it even harder for them to move because then they have more shame because they're fucking up. Right. It's like, I'm so fucked up. I'm so fucked up. I'm so fucked up is the internal message. Nothing I do is right. And actually, it's, it's, it's like, okay, hang on a second. At some point, this worked. It was useful. Mm-hmm. It's not useful anymore. So there's no shame in that. You've grown out of it. Let's find a new way to deal. Right. And I, I love that approach because it's so clean. And, you know, I've seen myself in this and I've seen many other people in this is the judgment of whatever the past action or behavior was. And then the judgment of the judgment, which is meta and then just, you know. Yeah. And now so I'm a horrible person because I had, I did that thing and right. I'm a more horrible person because I'm, I'm giving myself a hard time about doing that thing or feeling that thing. Yeah, no, there is that spiral. I mean, some people talk about it as a shame spiral. Some people talk about it as a self-blame spiral, but there is that tendency. And I've noticed that people sort of divide themselves. Some people, they don't feel shame or self-blame about anything. Everything is always othered. Mm. They don't come to therapy very often, <laughs> right? Because they take responsibility for nothing. Right. So why would they come to therapy? Those people who tend to come asking for help are people who often you will find actually heap shit upon shit upon shit on themselves. And they, you know, they externalize all the positive things and internalize all the negative stuff. Mm. Just this simple basic, like um, I fall in love with somebody and I have no control over that. That's the, that's, the, that's the prevailing narrative. And it's not true. Right. Yeah. Right. There, there's so much empowerment in realizing that we have the ability and the free will to create our entire reality. That inclusive of the parts of our reality that we do not like and the parts of our reality that we really prefer. And with the sort of shift in intentionality and choicefulness throughout the day, we really can step-by-step step create the reality that we imagine for ourselves. And it, it, you know, puts a lot of power into our hands and a lot of responsibility as well. And, you know, for many years, I wanted to go without the responsibility. <laughs> Thank <So>. you. <laughs> I mean, that's the R word. Um, and, and that's a really important point that people miss as well. Um, I see a lot of people who just do not take responsibility full stop. And part of creating relationships that you desire and, and getting the intimacy that you desire is taking responsibility for what you do. It's taking responsibility for co-creating that with the other people that you're involved with and taking responsibility for your own responses and actions and understanding that you have power and with power comes responsibility. Exactly. 
So we are, again, only a few minutes from break. Believe it or not, these things always go so quickly. Um, in the next segment, we're going to talk, um, start by talking about dance and talk about sort of the history of dance and sex and sensuality and the different kinds of dance and how one might use dance to get back in touch with one's body, for example, and in touch with one's sexual energy. Um, and we should have a lot of fun. Um, it's, it's an area. We'll also talk about shame around how we look when we're dancing and what to do when people say, oh, God. And certainly I know some people in my world who have heard me say this, I just can't dance. <clears throat> right? Um, and the self-consciousness that comes with moving our bodies if anybody else can see us. Um, so we'll cover all of that when we get back in the third segment. And... I would like to remind you all that if you have a topic that you would like to hear on this show, please do write in and tell me what it is. I am happy to create a show around the topics that interest you the most. And any questions that you have can be emailed in or called in. I will answer them either this week or if we don't get them until the in-between time, feel free to send them in throughout the week and we will answer them on the next show. It doesn't have to relate to the show we're doing. Any questions about sex, sexuality, intimacy, and relationships are fair game. We'll see you in a couple of minutes after some words from our sponsors. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you ready to live to 100? Join Dr. Joe Casciani and his program that shows us that age is just a number. You can age with fresh and inspiring perspectives, whether it's staying physically fit or keeping mentally fit. With great stories, plenty of advice about successful aging, and brighter outlooks, you just might join those who are living to 100. The Living to 100 Club is broadcast live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access all the time. This is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drloribethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey everyone, welcome back to the A to Z of Sex. This is our third segment of D is for Dancing and Bikinis, and I am talking with the wonderful Lee Noto, and we are going to start talking about dancing now, as I said before the break. So, dancing. We ta- I, I mentioned self-consciousness, so let's start there. Um, so, I have said for a million years that I cannot dance. Um, my um, husband will tell you that, in fact, I can dance, I just get self-conscious. And if I stop being self-conscious and I allow myself just to feel what's going on, that I dance actually quite well. And I like dancing because d- dancing will f- free energy blocks. And dancing is erotic in my view. And I, there's very little dancing that isn't erotic for me because moving the body is erotic. Um, so I love it. But I do still, at 56 years old, find myself so self-conscious that it's really difficult to let go and dance. And I know I'm not the only one. 
Yes, um, I too have had plenty of challenges over the years with dancing. And, you know, I was talking with my partner not too long ago, and I realized that I was using a system to ease my body into dancing in the moments when I felt self-conscious. And I would start by doing the most ridiculous thing I could think of, get it out of the way. Therefore, anything after that could not look nearly as ridiculous (laughs) as the first move that I led with. And so I would do this sort of jump up and down, and I would start by making grand movements with my hands, with my legs, and really, you know, physically and metaphorically taking up space. Because when I get into that self-conscious constriction, I am very tight in my movement as well. Mm -hmm. The bigger and grander I can get, the more ridiculous I can get. Well, it's just really downhill from there. So anything else is bound to look pretty good. I love that as an idea. And I think sometimes people don't get that, you know, like, so, you know, comments that are meant to be a joke can really make somebody so self-conscious that they will never venture out again. And I have been in a situation where a comment was made and I know that the comment was being made about me um, because of the specific situation. It couldn't have been anybody else. And I'm sure I did look ridiculous at the time that the person made the comment. But what that meant was I stopped and I refused to take part after that. Because I was like, you know, I, at, at that time, I, w- I wasn't close enough with the people where I felt okay being ridiculous. Like now with a particular group of people, I wouldn't care. I'd be like, yeah, okay, so I'm not, I'm not as coordinated as I should be, so fuck you. And just keep dancing. But at that time, it was like all you had to do was say something. And it was like, okay, fuck this. I'm not dancing. Right? Right. I'm, I'm not going to be made... I'm not going to be made to be ashamed of my, my body and myself because I can't move in perfect rhythm. Um, I am not, uh, I do not have a um, ballerina form, never have, never will. And I have never been wholly coordinated. You know? I'm really aware of that. Um, it doesn't mean that I can't dance. Hmm. But I internalized all the things that told me that I can't. Now, I have a brother who actually dances professionally. So we have the same fucking genes, right? So I can't be that bad because I did inherit some of the genes. But I just, and I've got great rhythm when it comes to playing music because I I am a musician. But with my body, it's like, oh, yeah, I have no rhythm. And that's the, the, the story I told myself for a lot of years. And, of course, what people forget is that if you keep telling yourself a story, then the story becomes true. Mm-hmm. So stepping back from that is really hard. But a lot of times people don't realize how much of dance is foreplay mm. and how often dance over the years, over the decades, over the centuries has been used as foreplay because pu- any kind of public display of affection or showing of body parts was just taboo. So the way that you could flirt and the way that you could raise the temperature was to be part of dance with a partner or individually. What are some of your favorite forms of dance? Ooh, that's a great one. I have taken some formal dance lessons, but generally I love any sort of intuitive or ecstatic dance. So I've attended a number of ecstatic dance gatherings And I tell you what, for anyone who's listening, if you want to see what you might think is the most ridiculous moves, go to an ecstatic dance where there are, you know, no shits given about what they're doing and you will feel right at home um, because people are doing whatever comes to them. However, they interpret the music through the physical form is what happens at ecstatic dance parties. Um, And they are substance free generally. So everyone there is on a pretty level playing field. Um, And there is the agreement that um, when you go there, it is a judgment-free zone. So to be able to participate in ecstatic dance is a really great way to have your needs met and to to have the the people around you sort of meet you where you're at with encouragement and yesing whatever dance moves you do decide to reveal. They're generally very supportive environments. So I love ecstatic dance and really just sort of bopping around in whatever way the music sort of uh, inspires me to. So ecstatic dance, for people who don't know, um, is, is, um, is actually a form of worship, right? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, it's, it's a spiritual practice. Um, and, I mean, sometimes people just do it for fun without any sense of spirituality. But initially what it, what it was was about dancing the joy of the spirit. 
and reaching states of ecstasy by doing that. And it could be spiritual ecstasy. It can also be sexual ecstasy. There are people who, who will talk about reaching states of sexual ecstasy through ecstatic dance. So it really isn't about, there aren't any moves. <laughs> there, there aren't any things you need to learn. You just moved how the spirit moves you. That's what you do. Right. And that is, that is another really awesome embodied form of surrender. There aren't moves. There isn't choreography. There's nothing planned. There is no sort of masculine structure about it in terms of energy. It is divine flow and spirit moving through you. And so as long as we can sort of agree to surrender to that moment, moment to moment, I mean, it, it can be a very transcendent experience. And, and, and you don't necessarily have to have a particular spiritual or religious view to do this. I mean, you could just do this as surrendering to, the, to, to the, the feelings in your body and the joy in your body with the beat of the music. So it, I, I wouldn't want people to feel stopped if they're not, if they don't, if they're not into any kind of spirituality. Um, yes, that's usually what people do when they're doing it, but you can actually do it from a point of view of I'm just going to go and sort of surrender to that feeling. And so, so and with raves... Um, that was sort of the idea, except these were chemically um, facilitated, right? Mm -hmm. The difference here is this is no chemical facilitation, which, um, again, no judgment. If people like to use a chemical in order to connect, that's their thing. I prefer not to do that. I prefer to um, be chemically free and actually be, be making that direct connection without that that help. So that's one kind of dance. I like, um, and I did take for a while, and um, I may be getting to a point physically where I'd be allowed to, again, I'm not sure. I have a, I had a hernia, so I wasn't allowed to, to do this anymore, but I did take belly dance for a while. And what I enjoyed about belly dance um, were two things. One thing is, is that I'm not um, slender, and I never have been. Um, I've been various sizes uh, um, over the years. And actually, right now, I'm at a at, at, um, almost at the most comfortable place for me. Um, but belly dance, the best belly dance isn't with somebody who's stick thin. The best belly dance, best belly dancers are done with people who actually have a belly because that was the point, right? So that was part of it. If you don't have a belly, it doesn't work quite as well. Well, the other thing that I liked about belly dance is that it actually unsticks the area where so many women are stuck which is that pelvic area where we trap energy, where we get rigid because being um, flowing in that area and being sensually flowing in the world can feel really dangerous because when we are flowing, we, can, we get a lot of attention. And if you're not comfortable dealing with that attention and setting really good boundaries, then it becomes overwhelming. And so we stick and we dam up and we, we stop moving. And so belly dance really gets you to free that pelvis, to free your stomach, to free your chest and to separate different body parts so that everything can start flowing again and move through all that stuck place. So that's another form that I really love. Um, it's easy to find classes. There are um, loads of YouTube videos and DVDs and things. So you can do it cheap on the cheap by watching stuff at home and you can do it at home or you can go to classes and actually kind of really get yourself um, some professional instruction and become more advanced but it's a lot of fun it's also really really sensual Mm. being able to dance also learning how to strip learning how to strip is definitely a really cool thing to do Um, I've taken two classes I haven't practiced enough, and I probably need to practice more in order to, to do it well. Um, again, this is one of those things where the practicing, it's not the moves that are the problem. The moves are usually really easy. It's getting over your self-consciousness that's the issue, right? So instead of just tearing your clothes off, being able to do it in a way that's sensual and fun. Right. Yeah, something that's really helped me, not with stripping per se, but leaving all the moves on the dance floor, uh, especially when I'm feeling self-conscious, is I'll set a little intention with myself and I'll create a little social experiment in my mind where I'll say, okay, by the time I'm off this dance floor, I'm leaving everything here. All my worries, all my concerns, it'll come out in some move or, or shake that I do. And by the time I set that intention, the move, I'm off to the races. And so having that little intention setting with myself has really helped me let it all loose. 
That's fantastic. And that's a nice way of actually shaking things out and moving the energy. And dance is all about energy. And, um, and that's one of the reasons why, for me, it's so much fun. It's all about getting the energy to move through your body. It's all about where you project it, where you bring it in. Um, and there's so much that you can do with it that, that goes beyond the actual physical learning of the moves as to how you want to relate and what else you want to put into it. Um, we are a couple of minutes from break again. And so in our final segment, we're going to continue talking about dance and the other forms of dance you might want to try and the different ways in which you might start to put this into your sort of um, relationship, sensual relationship with yourself, as well as start putting it out in the world, and how you can use dance to kind of gauge how compatible you might be with somebody that you've met and with somebody that you're interested in, because it's a great way to test energy flow. So we'll be back in a couple of minutes after some words from our sponsors, and we'll look forward to talking more about this then. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Over 20 million people in America struggle with substance use. This impacts both the people who are using and loved ones who are trying to help. Still, there is hope. Tune in to the Beyond Addiction Show with host Josh King. You'll hear from experts and get the real information you need to understand and assist in change. Change can be hard. It doesn't have to be confusing. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Perspectives with Dr. Badisha Patel is a program that explores emotional management for a healthier lifestyle. On each program, we discuss ideas that support emotional well-being, such as mental illness, relationships, parenting, and family connections, and much more. If you are facing challenges in your life, you can grow and learn by exploring new techniques in dealing with stress, anxiety, and relationships. Perspectives with Dr. Badisha Patel airs live Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America health and wellness your favorite voice america talk radio network shows and hosts are in your car outdoors and wherever you need them to be listen anywhere get our mobile app for iphone blackberry or android at the apple itunes app store blackberry app world or android market This is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drloribethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the A to Z of sex. This is our final segment today, and we are talking D is for dancing in bikinis, and I am with the wonderful Lee Noto. And before the break, we were talking about dance, and I said we would talk about some other forms um, as well as what you do with the energy. Um, so we talked, we, we mentioned stripping, we mentioned ecstatic dance, we mentioned belly dancing. Um, pole dancing and lap dancing are a lot of fun. Good exercise, but also um, helping you to move sensuously, which is always um, a, a, a cool thing, particularly if you feel like you, like you don't know how, if you feel clumsy or you feel uncomfortable. Taking classes like that can actually just help you to kind of learn to re, refocus where your center is, where your center of gravity is, and, and move with a bit more grace, which will increase your feelings of confidence, so there's stuff like that that's also incredibly useful. But then, I mean, you know, couple dancing like salsa, tango, really hot, really hot. So that sort of thing with a partner can be loads and loads of fun. Yes, I totally agree. And the, the dance lessons that I was referring to earlier were salsa lessons. And there is such a different kind of connection that you create with a partner. And something I learned as a uh, you know female identifying dancer is that you know, I had a very challenging time at first letting myself be led by a male partner. Yeah. And I imagine that a lot of modern day women probably, you know, face that challenge. However, once I sort of surrendered into it, oh my gosh, it was like, all right, 
you lead the way. Show me what to do based on the, the physical cue you give and I'll be there. And it was such an, you know, a beautiful physical embodiment again of surrender and allowing myself to be led. And, you know, through dance, I've also learned that that is what I've been longing for as a, you know, powerful woman who's full of leadership in my day to day. I just want someone sometimes to take the lead and to have that in the form of dancing was really a beautiful experience of that. And I think that's, you know, that can be this true for same sex couples as well. And, you know, oftentimes um, actually allowing someone to lead can be incredibly difficult. Um, and just getting to that place where you can surrender into it um, in, for those people who um, are involved in authority transfer relationships and power exchange relationships, that's a, it's the same struggle, right? But it's a mini struggle in dance and it can actually be a place where you can test out whether or not that's something you can manage. Some people cannot manage that and they don't want to, and, and they give up on partner dance and they'll stick to solo dance because they cannot manage to surrender to another which is different from surrendering to the rhythm, which is what you're doing when you're, when you're doing it solo. You surrender to the energy and the rhythm within or the rhythm with, that's being dictated by the music and the energy within. But when you're doing it with a partner, if someone's leading, you have to surrender to that lead. Otherwise, it doesn't go very well. Right, right. Yeah, I learned plenty about that. Again, I had a lot of challenges. And I, too, you know, will identify as someone who generally likes to dance in a solo fashion. Something that I had created as a practice over time is something that I call bliss body worship. And it is sort of the intuitive, ecstatic version of a solo dance that people can do at home, especially if um, listeners are self-conscious. Sometimes I'll set up a mirror, sometimes I won't, but I've created a playlist of feel-good songs that really tap me into sensual energy. And it will be my own expression of moves with that music. And it's a really fun and safe way to get into our bodies and again to get into the area where we tend to hold a lot of blockages which is around the sacral region um around the root region the solar plexus region absolutely yeah to have a safe fun expansive way to get into that is a great starting point for dance outside of that but not only for dance but for sex i mean that's clear Let's be clear, you know, so many people have trouble with orgasm. So many people have trouble with energy that's dammed up in places in their body that gets in the way of actual full release. So sometimes people have very, very, if they do have orgasm, it's very small because they can't let go, they can't release. And so um, I often see people who are actually standing next to themselves, like actually getting them into their body is is almost a full-time job. And so dance is a less threatening way of getting somebody to actually sit in their body and feel the energy and feel the flow and feel arousal without feeling like they need to dissociate or step out. Mm. Wow. I really, really love that distinction and allowing dance to be the surrogate almost or the proxy for other forms of feeling and being embodied. Well, and because, because it's, it's less threatening, right? If you don't have, if you're not dancing with a partner, it's less threatening. You're not having to deal with their energy or their demands or, or perception of their demands. Even, even the most, most non-judgmental partner, even the most balanced person who's actually there. For example, if you went for a yoni massage um, with, with a, with a, an appropriate practitioner, um, and when I did why I did why was for Yoni Massage and spoke with um, Jessica Parker is absolutely amazing. And she and her partner provide two handed massages, the two of them. Wow. His and hers together. Outrageously wonderful. Wow. Double the pleasure. Huh. Oh, yeah. And, and the whole but but it's about, you know, first, the whole body is relaxed because you can't go where where you want to go unless you're completely relaxed. And for some people, that's really counterintuitive. Right. We talked about this last week, how people um, perhaps it wasn't last week, but recently how people tend to go. Ah! Right. They hold their breath. <laughs> when right. orgasm approaches, they tense everything up. Right, right. And actually, what you need to do is release. And so uh, it's it that that's a way of training yourself to relax and release by having somebody massage you and relax you to the point where you're you're completely physically relaxed and then work on the arousal. 
But dance can be the same way. Dance is even less threatening because there's no one, no one in there but you. Right, right. And, you know, what what that sparked for me as you were speaking, both from the yoni massage perspective and from the dance perspective, um, three things that have been really supportive to me in my practice um, that I've shared with countless others are the use of breath, sound, and movement. Mm -hmm. Whether that's movement through dance or movement through any sort of gyration or movement of the body, being connected to the breath has, you know, really helps to move energy, sound as well. And movement. So whether through dance, I mean, sometimes I'll be in dance moves and I'm making just the oddest sounds. I look like a wild animal. And to embody something other humanly is also very liberating as well. So to make those sounds, to let my hair drape over my face, to be crawling on the ground, um, really moves this sort of primal energy through me that has felt stuck and trapped for so long based on sort of the societal constructs as how women are meant to quote unquote show up in society presented and buttoned up. Right. Right. And I do think that's really important. Um, and that this idea of, of actually being able to get all of that moving. And of course, if you do that, then it benefits you when you're with a partner, mm-hmm. you're much more likely to choose um, a compatible partner, an appropriate partner when everything is moving in you, when you're stuck you tend to end up with stuck. Right. <laughs> um, and so it's, it, it is actually really important that you do what you need to do in order to get all this stuff moving. And, and, and we talk about it in terms of energy because that is what it is. And sometimes people are like, well, I don't get it. But like, look at those places where you hurt, right? You know, that bra strap area, that, bra, that area where people have knots, you know, that's often because everything is stuck. That's us tensing in order to try and deal. So it's those sorts of things. And believe it or not, we're only three minutes away from the close of this show. So before we do, I want to thank Lee for joining me. If you want to find Lee, where can they find you? Yes, thank you so much. It's been an honor to be on the show and to speak with you today. Uh, if you'd like to find me, you can find me through my website at leenoto.com, L-E-E-N-O-T-O. I am also on Instagram at leenoto underscore and Facebook, leenoto. Brilliant. And if you want to sort out a discovery session with me, it's bit.ly forward slash 30 minutes Dr. Lori Beth, capital D, capital L, capital B for that one. Um, Next week, it will be E is for energy and energy play with Luke Scott III. I hope you will join me then. If you've got any questions, as I said before, please email me at loribeth at drloribethbisbee.com. And I want ideas for shows. If you've got ideas for guests, do send all of them through. I look forward to next week, and I hope you all have a hot, healthy, and exciting week ahead. We hope you learned something today, but if you have more questions, go ahead and email them to Lori Beth at drlorybethbisbee.com. Then be here next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of The A to Z of Sex with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee on Voice America Health and Wellness. See you next week.